credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and this is Short Stuff, a very special sandwiched edition between our very special two-part episode on sitcoms. Right, Chuck? Insert laugh track, Jerry. <laughs> That's right. Nicely done, Jerry. So um, we're talking about laugh tracks. Everybody knows what a laugh track is. It's also sometimes called canned laughter. And if you didn't realize that a lot of the sitcoms that you watch have laughter added in, well, prepare to have your socks knocked off because that <laughs> is a thing. And it's been around for 70, 70 years, a little over. Yeah. And it's a really cool story uh, in that they discovered there was a problem early on with live studio audiences and that <laughs> sometimes they laughed at the wrong time. Sometimes they didn't laugh at all. Sometimes they laughed too loudly and for too long. And they had a, a laughter problem because people are <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and so a, a CBS sound engineer named Charlie Douglas said, you know what? I think I can crack this thing. They've been using laugh tracks and radio forever. Um, why don't I see if I can put together a library of, of laughter and use that uh, to augment the laughter and sometimes entire, entirely replace the laughter of the real audience? Yeah. So, so Charlie Douglas started recording actual people laughing. And you can't – like you have to be pretty selective when you're recording laughter because there's a lot of times where people are talking or actors are giving dialogue still. So Red Skelton had a show, and he was a very famous – very physical comedic actor. He could go long stretches just entertaining people without saying a word. So he was a natural source of this um, laughter that Charlie Douglas went around and recorded. So was the mime Marcel Marceau. And so he started recording any kind of laughter he did, and he put it all together, he spliced tapes together, and his first attempt at a very rudimentary attempt at a, a laugh track made his debut in 1950 on a show I've never heard of before, Chuck, the Hank McCune show. Have you? Nope, never heard of it. But it, it's historic in that it was the first show that the Laugh Track debuted on. That's right. Uh, and Douglas got pretty into this, uh, to put it lightly. He kind of obsessed, it seemed, over getting these Laugh Tracks just right. I don't think he was happy with just saying like, all right, we got some canned laughter. We got a couple of versions. Let's just go with it. Uh, and ended up getting sort of being like a... a conductor slash magician and that he had all different kinds. I think he ended up with uh, about 320 different kinds of laughs from uproarious to like just a little bit to a few people tittering mm -hmm. to it rising and falling like a symphony. And the coolest thing about all of this is he did this and, and put it in a literal physical machine. Right. Uh, actual, like, uh, it ended up being called the laugh box, although he tried to call it the audience response duplicator. <laughs> or if you, it, I could totally see in the 50s pretending it's a robot and calling it RD. Yeah. And also audience response duplicator is a pretty good band name now that I think about it. Mm, no? What kind of music exactly? 
I don't know. That's your, I always, that's your I specialty. Always, <laughs> I go to Math Rock every time. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. But yeah, so this this box, the laugh box, it was about the size and shape of a, a filing cabinet. Well, a three foot tall filing cabinet, or one meter for our friends outside of the U.S. <laughs> um, and it was made by Charlie Douglas himself from like um, household appliances, um, parts from an organ that he stripped, uh, and vacuum tubes. And it was really heavy, but it was really effective. Like you said, it had all sorts of different. Uh, laughs of all types on it. I think it could hold up to 320 different laughs. And again, this is 1950, and this guy basically created a laughing computer. Yeah, there were 32 reels, 10 laughs each. And it had, like you said, it had these, it looked more like these giant typewriter keys to me as far as like literally how you would engage it. Right. And But you could play it almost like an instrument in that it wasn't just hit one button. You could hit a combination of buttons if you want to get a very specific kind of laughter. Uh, I had no idea this is how this worked. I just thought it was all done in post by just kind of splicing it together mm. uh, with like, you know, hey, just put track one on there or something like that. I had no idea it was a literal machine. It's very, very cool. Yeah, and, and um, one of my favorites of all time is the one person lightly laughing at a time. Yeah, those are good. Um, that was re- really used to great effect in Scooby-Doo, if you think back. Like, there was very often times where just one person was kind of like, <laughs> Was that on a laugh track? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, it was, because the Scooby-Doo animated characters were not performing live in front of a studio audience. Well, I know that. I don't remember there being laughter on Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, totally. Anytime Scooby or Shaggy did, you know, built like a seven-foot sandwich, there was a laugh track. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That would have gotten a laugh track. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm sure it's totally full of laughter, but I just don't remember. It really holds up, man. Does it really? Yes, especially the original one from, like, 1969. All right. Well, let's take a break. I'm going to go watch some of those, and we'll be back to talk about how laugh tracks were received right after this. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa... But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. 
I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Did people like laugh tracks? No. Yes and no. Studio executives, a lot of them loved it because it solved a big problem. Uh, but it seems like almost exclusively outside the studio executives, right. most people weren't too keen on it. No. And I mean, like this started right out of the gate. Um, the laugh track was derided as phony or corny or whatever. And Charlie Douglas, the inventor of that laugh box, the guy who originated this, he um, became, I don't want to say a recluse, but as far as the media was concerned, you could not get an interview out of him because I don't know if he took it personally or took it hard or just didn't want to put himself out there. Yeah. But he, he, as far as I could tell, he got very wealthy off of this thing. Be, be, between the 50s and the 70s, if you heard a laugh track in a show, it was from Charlie Douglas. Yeah, I bet you anything he was hurt because, I mean, there were people that said, like, this has ruined television in some cases. Yeah, uh, like uh, auto-tune kind of, I yeah. guess. He invented auto-tune, too. No, yeah. Not many people know that. <laughs> <laughs> right, he did it all. He ruined everything. And the sound of airplane toilets flushing. Oh, wow, that's a good one, especially he, if you play one person lightly <laughs> laughing over the air, airplane toilet flushing. I still can't believe they haven't solved that yet. Uh, yeah, I know. Because it announces to everybody, like, everyone, look over at the door. I'm about to come out. It's terrible. And it, I, I plug my ears. It's just so grating and uh, in your face. Anyway. <laughs> so in the 70s is when the laugh track um, kind of hit its heyday, along with the heyday, uh, as you have now learned uh, in our sitcoms episode of the live studio audience multi-camera taped show. Right, uh, but it was also the time when it became sort of more of a uh, object of scorn. So that's when you started hearing the famous announcement: "Film before a live studio audience," just to let people know, like, yeah, maybe we use some canned laughter, but there are also real people here laughing. Yeah, it was a boast. I had no idea why they said that, but it was almost like a disclaimer the way they said mm -hmm. it. But really, they were telling you like the laughter you're hearing is is human laughter, like genuine stuff. And those were were filmed in front of studio audiences. The ones that are weird are the shows like MASH that were not filmed in front of a studio audience. Right. But there was still that laugh track. But you never thought about it. You were just so used to it. It's very weird. Especially, yeah, if you stop and think about laugh tracks, we'll get into that in a second, but it, it is a very weird concept, uh, the way it's applied. But um, I saw that it almost went away as early as the mid-60s that some CBS studio executives tested... Uh, the pilot of Hogan's Heroes with a laugh track with one focus group, without a laugh track with another focus group, or maybe the same focus group, I don't know. But the focus <laughs> group chose the laugh track episode or the laugh track version, and that just cemented laugh tracks for decades to come. You can thank that one focus group for it. Yeah, 
uh, interesting pick for the show to do that with, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it was interesting enough to have a sitcom about uh, POWs and Nazis. Right. Uh, I love the show. <laughs> it's pretty good. As a kid, I, I thought Hogan's Heroes, Heroes is great. But, um, yeah, the laugh track is weird. And it's even weirder when you think about animated sitcoms. We talked about the Flintstones. I believe that'll be coming up uh, in part two of the sitcoms ep. But Flintstones and the Jetsons, they had laugh tracks too, which doesn't make any sense at all. But people just <laughs> bought it because they were used to it. Yeah, exactly. It's it, You just don't even notice it unless you notice it. And then once you notice it, it's hard to stop. But like you said, even MASH had one. And apparently the creator, Larry Gelbert, said he wanted MASH to air without laughs, quote, just like the actual Korean War. Yeah. Um, but he still lost. But they gave him the out to not have a laugh track during the medical, like, surgery scenes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it all kind of flowed, though. I never really noticed. Right. That stuff, like when they were in the OR, that there wasn't a laugh track going, generally. Right. Uh, in other countries, they have done some interesting things. It's kind of uh, a very American-slash-UK thing, but uh, in Latin America, apparently they would actually hire laughers uh, to come in, like professional laughers. Yeah, rayadors. And they would say, laugh at this moment and that moment. And I don't know if it was like... The, there were just plants in the audience that were supposed to laugh to get everybody else laughing, or right. if the entire audience were made of rayadors. I'm not sure. But either way, I guess they eschewed the laugh track generally. I think it was probably multiple plants to get people going because uh, they have done, um, I guess, studies. Yeah. But uh, they they have shown that laugh tracks, people find things funnier when other people are laughing. So yeah, apparently totally. 15 to 20%. Uh, when there is canned laughter, people are more apt to think something is funny. Yeah, 15 to 20 percent funnier when you add canned laughter to it, which is that's funny in and of itself. This is 15 to 20 percent funnier. That's hilarious to me. Yeah, how do you how do you measure that? So if you think back, even Seinfeld, Chuck, one of the funniest shows of all time had a laugh track. And this was into the 90s, right? The Simpsons managed to, to launch without one. They never had a laugh track. I don't think they even jokingly used one. Um, but my point is even Seinfeld up into the 90s had one. And it wasn't until I saw the UK's version of The Office credited as the one that really turned the tide. I think The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the UK um, really broke out and said we're not going to use this. But it was still used extensively. It wasn't until The Office came along and just changed comedy. It, it The comedy involved was presented and written in a way that a laugh track just would not make sense because it was so cringy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine something like either version of The Office or Arrested Development or 30 Rock or Curb Your Enthusiasm with a laugh track. It would be very <laughs> strange. Uh, and speaking of strange, one of the most fun things you can do mm-hmm. is just spend a few minutes of your day watching um, sitcoms without the laugh track, like classic sitcoms. Uh, they've notably done this on YouTube with episodes of Friends oh, man. and clips of Friends. And it's just weirdly disconcerting. Uh, it's not as funny. And one of the weirdest things is, you know, you don't realize it when you're watching a show with a laugh track, but they're like a stage play. They're waiting for a beat while the people are laughing to say their next line. And it's never more apparent than when that laughter is gone. It's very disjointed and weird. 
because it's just silent, right? But then also without the laugh track, I think you were very, um, very generous to say it's just not as funny. Um, I found it like not funny at all and uh-huh. actually kind of upsetting to tell you the <laughs> truth. Like the, the jokes are like deeply juvenile. Yeah. They, they're supported every single one by like a funny facial expression that's not actually funny. It looks uh-huh. kind of hostile <laughs> instead. Yeah. And you, it becomes clear that Friends is like in no way funny on its own. It like really leaned on the laugh track to make it funny. Did you see the one uh, Ross without laugh track psychopath? <laughs> no, I, I know what I will be doing right after we finish recording. Yeah, this. check it out because not only did they remove the laugh track for the scene, but they – they made it, they changed the color so where it was black and white, and they put, like, this brooding music. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, and while we're at just this general thing, I also should just recommend uh, musicless music videos. Oh, yeah. Uh, those those are great. Those are some of the funniest things on YouTube when it just shows, uh-huh. like, people dancing around with, like, <laughs> sneaker squeaks and then going, like, uh, right. uh, uh. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, too. All good yeah. stuff. Um, the the opposite's pretty funny too, where you take something that's not intended to be funny and add a laugh track. Yeah, and like way before Space Ghost Coast to Coast, I don't know if it was the same friends of ours, Dave Willis, who did this too. But somebody put a, like old episodes of Space Ghost from the '60s mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network at night, even before Adult Swim, and just added laugh tracks at like inappropriate places and made it like genuinely funny. I would like to see. I wonder if anyone's done that with like the office i'd be curious just to see what that feels like yeah yeah i'm just gonna go spend the rest of the day on the internet watching this stuff i think i agree all right well chuck agreed i said i was gonna go do something else that means short stuff is out stuff you should know is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts my heart radio visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows